بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلت سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Right, uh, is that right, Shaz? The thing? Are you sure it's transmitting? It's definitely working your side, yeah? Right, okay, so today inshallah we will start, no not start, but I've got new notes anyway, so it's like, it feels like a start, but we're going to get into some proper meaty issues, yeah, and inshallah today not only are we going to cover the fiqh, but we're also going to look at some usul and some tafsir as well, uh, bring up the notes Shaz. So in Arabic we are looking at the text which MashaAllah Shazad Salim is having a great day today here we go so still in Bab Shurut Salah the chapter of uh, the preconditions for the prayer and the Mu'allif This is your last chance Shazad Salim Otherwise you are sacked for life <coughs> Literally you're going to be sacked for life I'm telling you now You're so sacked if this is not there now Don't you dare press that refresh again Go back to the BPDF Go to your mail and open the original document Lazy Paki, custom, unbelievable. Yes, let's have a look at what K, whatever name is, has said. Yes, yes, sick. You see that? I told you, don't, Yanni, trying to be clever with PDFs. I said, keep it to word, but you don't listen. So, Bab Shurut Salah. If you don't have this uh, as the notes, yeah, then copy. Copy, copy, paste it on thingy. وَمِنْهَا إِسْتِقْبَالُ الْقِبْلَةِ فَلَا تَسِحُّ بِدُونِهِ إِلَّا لِعَاجِزٍ Number one. وَمُتَنَفِّلٍ رَاكِبٍ سَائِرٍ فِي سَفَرٍ Number two. وَيَلْزَمُهُ إِفْتِتَاحُ الصَّلَاءِ إِلَيْهَا And number three. وَمَاشٍ وَيَلْزَمُهُ الْإِفْتِتَاحُ وَالرُّقُوءُ وَالسُّجُودُ إِلَيْهَا وَفَرْضُ مَنْ قَرُبَ مِنَ الْقِبْلَ Jihatiha. Bring it down, Shaz. The English translation of what we just said is the conditions of prayer include facing the Qibla. We did that last week. The prayer is not valid without facing it except for someone who is unable to. We did that last week and we finished right there. That's number one. Number two, one who is mounted praying a supererogatory prayer whilst in a state of travel during an actual journey. And number three, one who is walking, 
praying a supererogatory prayer that's implied. However, he must face it, it being the qibla, when he begins, bows, and prostrates. It is also obligatory for the one close to the qibla to face it exactly, whereas it is sufficient to face its general direction for the one who is far away. Those are the issues that we're going to be covering over, I think, maybe the next two to three weeks, inshallah, that will be okay going. All right? So that's the text. So let's start, Yani, at the text where it says the prayer is not valid without facing it except for one who is mounted, praying a supererogatory prayer. Yani, thank you, Shazad Salim, for cutting me off mid-sentence. Praying a supererogatory prayer was in a state of travel during an actual journey. Alright? This is interesting. So this is the second scenario. This is the second exemption. A, someone who's praying a nafal, or nafal is like a generic phrase. It's the verbal noun, nafal. Nafila is the actual phrase. Okay? Or the, nafal is like a plural. And nafila is like the individual singular kind of word, nafila. Um, so we're talking about a person who is praying supererogatory prayer, nafal, meaning not obligatory, rewarded prayer, recommended prayer. That's what nafal is. Remember we said before, and I repeat again, voluntary is not the right word. Supererogatory is the correct legal phrase. Supererogatory prayer, he is mounted. In those days, we're talking a camel, donkey, horse. Nowadays, obviously the same, but more specifically the car, the train, the bus, the plane. Okay? Mounted is the key thing. Rakib. Okay? In, in Arabic, when we, put, we call a person markub, yani he is mounted. And it was also yani, a phrase for using for the word, word passenger. Anyway. المؤلف شرطين. The author has, however, given two conditions for the one who is mounted, praying nafal, to not have to face the qibla. He's given him two conditions. The first, rakiban sa'iran fi safarin. That he is sa'ir and that he is in safar. Sa'ir, okay, sa'ir means that he's, uh, so let me do actually the other way around. Safar means that he's on a journey. That means that the distance which is being traveled is not like yani, a far walk or a far drive. It's a journey. We're going to come to in a minute whether it's a journey which is long enough that leads you to shorten the prayer. I want you to know in, in Sharia, and actually linguistically speaking, when we, actually when we come to the, the chapter of, 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 the, of Qasr, the chapter of shortening the prayer, you're going to cover the issue of journeys and journeying and traveler and muqim, the resident, in immense detail. And you're going to see a huge amount of controversy between all of the scholars on how to determine what is safar and who is the musafir, the one who is traveling. And uh, one of the issues that is fundamental to this is that how do you actually define what is the distance that actually allows a person to shorten their prayer? Okay, so that is what has been differed over. You'll see in the right time, obviously if you've done fiqh salah, then you'll know that... Um, you'll know that uh, we've covered this obviously, but in, in some small detail... But um, you, uh, just, yani, just to cut short and s- summarize the thing, the majority of the scholars, they roughly say it's about 50 miles, 80, 81 kilometers. That's the distance, that's the four imams basically. That's the distance that the four imams want a person to travel before they are, or intend to travel before they allow them to shorten the prayer. 
shorten the prayer. This has nothing to do with combining, okay? We're talking about qasr. Shorten the prayer. The dhahr and the asr become two, and the isha becomes two. Maghrib and fajr stays the same. So that's what they call the safar, which enables taqseer or qasr. A journey which enables qasr, yani shortening. But the real difficulty are the other huge number of scholars. It's not a small, tiny minority. It's still the minority, but it's a huge number. Okay, it's a significant number. Who said, no, nothing from the Prophet ﷺ clearly indicates a distance that has been specified that one has to travel or intend to travel before they can shorten the prayer. And that's where you get the controversy. So, for example, here in Manchester, the, the whole controversy would be over something like Sheffield or Bradford. Okay, Bradford is about 40 miles. Sheffield is about 30, 32 miles. Okay, uh, whatever route you take. Okay, Sheffield is just is just around the corner. And the whether you go over Woodhouse, whether you go Snakes Lane, whether you Snakes Pass, rather, whether you go through Buxton, it's around 30, 40 miles. No one's only going to go down M62 and all the way down and it's Plum. They've not driven before. So, uh, obviously. Uh, Sheffield is a good example. Now, anyone who drives that knows it's a proper drive. It's a proper, you know, it's a proper risk. Could be one and a half hours, two hours, and you could get there in 50, 55 minutes. It's thin roads, etc., etc. Now, most folks will think, yep, I've gone on the journey here. I've arrived in Sheffield, different city entirely, different language, accent, accent, different type, culture. The whole journey, Shabam. You listen to those guys, they sound completely different to us. You know what I'm saying? So you think you're there, job done. Truth is, if you're going by the position of the four imams, nope, it's not a journey. You pray full when you're there. No combining, no qasar, nothing. They're sticking strictly to the 49, 50, 51 mile approximation of yani, the farsakh. And so, yeah, okay. Whereas the others will say, hey, a journey, safar, is whatever a person thinks is a journey. It is that subjective, literally. A journey is whatever a person feels is a journey. And what other people from society feel it's a journey. Now, I don't want to get into this because this is going to take up, you know, hours of our time when we come to it, okay? And we've got other things to do now. But I just want you to be aware, therefore, that when we say that safar, we, uh, when you come across the word, don't automatically just think back to four imams and think 50 miles and traveling. I want you to automatically think that significant journey. That's the kind of word to think of, okay? The phrase you should think of is significant journey. Then if there is a further statement by a scholar which says that you are musafir proper, meaning you can make qasar, then you know that that's where everyone agrees that we're going over 50 miles plus, okay? So what's the first condition? The first condition then for the one who is praying nafal whilst he's on a, in a car or whatever is that, and, he does, and, and we're going to give him the exemption of not facing the qibla when he prays, is that he must be on some kind of journey. It can't be some random trip to the shops. Number two is that he is sa'ir. Sa'ir means that he is in a state of travel. Now those who have done fiqh of salah with me will know that I do not allow or I do not yani, promote the combining of the prayer for the musafir unless he is sa'ir. Sa'ir is what Imam al-Tirmidhi alayhi rahmatullah, he said that there is a consensus of the people of knowledge. A consensus of the people of knowledge that combining of the prayers is done when one is is sa'ir, when one is in a state of travel and not necessarily when a person is a musafir but chilling. Okay? He's not saying that it's haram to uh, combine. We're, not, we're talking about combining here, uh, not qasr. 
Um, and combining is obviously something which is a concession that you're allowed to use in extreme circumstances, very, very intense rain, emergency, unique need, some kind of disaster, whatever it is, yeah? So you can combine a prayer. It's not linked to travel per se, but travel is one of the keys that unlock the, the blessing and the concession of traveling. However, as I said, the people of knowledge, the classical scholars, never allowed or liked a person to be combining the prayer whilst, for example, I live in London, I come to Manchester for the day. If I'm in Manchester for the day in a masjid, for example, but that's too, that's too easy. Let's say I'm in, a masjid, I'm, I'm, I'm in Manchester for a day in an office where there's a prayer room and it's Dhuhr time. And there is no real extenuating circumstance for me to combine the prayer. I should not be combining the prayer. Normally you'd say, I'm a traveler. Today is the day I really can combine the prayer. We say, you're a traveler, but you are not sa'ir. You are sa'ir in the morning from 5 to 9 when you are driving up. Yep. Or you are sa'ir if you decided to leave London at 12 o'clock and you were going to get here for 4. That is, you are musafir because you are traveler, but you are sa'ir meaning you are in a state of travel. That's what sa'ir means, when you are in a state of travel. When you get to Manchester, you will be musafir, but you won't be, you won't be sa'ir because you will be park, you'll park your car up, you'll go into a building and you'll stay there for the next 4-5 hours. So you will not be sa'ir. And then likewise, so there, this opportunity now, uh, 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 in this scenario, you should pray your prayers upon, upon their time. I'm just giving you an illustration of what the significance of knowing the difference between Musafir and Sa'ir. Yes? You're traveling from London to Manchester. You're traveling from London to Manchester. You stop in Birmingham. What time? Uh, on your journey. The service station, for example. Yeah. Go time. Yeah. Pray. Uh-huh. Um, you think you'll get to Manchester faster. Yeah. Because of shortened days. So this is different. Yeah. Yeah, but that stop is not a stop, right? That stop is what we call classic meaning you stop for the prayer. You didn't stop to spend a day in Birmingham, right? Because if you stop to spend a day in Birmingham, then you are a musafir who is not sa'ir. Yes. So, so uh, oh, oh, you wouldn't combine, no. Yeah, exactly as you said. If you stopped for Dhuhr on the way up from London, and you stopped in Birmingham, and it's Dhuhr time, you'd pray Dhuhr. First of all, you'd make the assessment. You'd look at the time, and you'd say, I'm not making... Yeah, okay. But let's say you say, I'm not making Asr, okay? So then you would combine the two prayers, and that's fine. You looked at the time, long summer days, easily making Asr. Then oh, the Sunnah, the Sunnah is to pray the normal prayer there and then to pray Asr in town. However, if you decided to combine, it would be permissible because you are a Sa'ir and Musafir. I just want to make something very clear. It does not mean it is haram to combine the prayers if you are a Musafir and not a Sa'ir. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the scholars are always and have agreed on always promoting combining only when a person really needs it, which is when they are traveling. As for when a person is musafir, most of the time they won't need to. However, a classic scenario would be the journey back home to London. So now it's 8 o'clock. Maghrib has just kicked in. You're smash naked. You don't have any hope, Yani, of a quality isha, neither on the way home. You don't want to be stopping, it's raining. And by the time you get home, you're going to go straight to bed. It will be a low quality isha. So the person whilst in the office, he makes a decision to combine Maghrib and Isha. He's allowed to do that. He's not Sa'ir. He's a Musafir. 
but he has the the reason and a permission to do it, and we allow this person to uh, you know give himself the permission to uh, combine that prayer. He is being very responsible when he does that. He's very careful about the issue because he knows that he's taking a liberty. And that's the attitude I want people to have, that I'm taking a liberty if I combine the prayer and I'm not sa'ir. If you have that kind of haraj in your heart, you'll protect yani, yourself from combining too much. You might ask why people come protecting yani, uh, Muslims from combining, because combining the prayer is something which softens and weakens the heart. Okay, It weakens the heart. We found that people, their ibadah quality decreases and it turns into a problem. They start to, yani many things. But we'll come back to that later. Anyway, these are the two conditions. For a person, if they don't want to turn towards the qibla, they have to be musafir and they have to be sa'ir. They have to be in the state of travel. That's what then Sheikh, therefore, he gives some examples. So, classically, he says, therefore, we can state very clearly that a person who is traveling and stops in a town or place or in a service station, a traveler, in his car, must face the Qibla. Do you understand that? Okay. Why has he got to face the Qibla? Because he's not traveling. He's parked up. So in your car, if you're driving, well, obviously not if you're driving, if you're a passenger, don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, let's just take it easy here, folks. Yeah. All right. So you're in the car, you're the passenger, he's boring you to death, and you're driving. Or in the today's gender fluid world, she is boring you to death, and you're going to then obviously pray. Because she's a better driver, obviously, because, you know, modern times and that. Yeah? So, she's driving. You decide to pray. Qibla is that direction. You want to pray some nafal. Allahu Akbar, no problem. You're going to go that direction. Understand? Yeah, what the score is, yeah? Now, that's fine. Cars on the motorway, is your, your musafir, and you're moving. Now, you pull in. You pull in, and we're waiting. Maybe, let's say the rain becomes very, very uh, hard. Very dangerous rain now. So you pull into the service station. It's not a prayer time. You're bored waiting. You pray some nafal in the car. You need to now turn the car towards the qibla and then pray in the car. It's allowed for you to pray. Why is it allowed to pray in a car? Because you are praying nafal. Why is it allowed? Why do you have to uh, 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 pray towards the qibla? Because even though you are musafir, you are not in a state of travel. There is no uh, detriment to your travel to turn. The whole point of this concession is that yeah, and it's a headache to try and turn the animal, i.e. the car, towards the qibla when you're traveling. Well, if you're not traveling and you've stopped, then what's the problem? You get the point now? All right. So the second, so yeah, so, that, so that's the first observation. The second observation is, likewise, if a person is driving, he is sa'ir, but he's driving from the masjid to, to I don't know, Oxford Road. Okay, so he's going to university. Yes. And he's a passenger in the car. He also cannot pray in the car. Why? Yes, he's on a journey. Yes, he is praying nafal. But he is not musafir. He's not a traveler. Okay, everybody? Everybody happy with that? Sheikh Uthameen then on the top of page 264 then goes for, goes through a, um, goes through some very nice points. Yeah, he goes, um, this exemption, he goes, this, is, this seems to be an exemption or an exception 
to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, kuntum, wherever you may be, then turn your face towards Al-Masjid Al-Haram. Allah says that very, very clearly. Wherever you may be, turn your faces towards Masjid Al-Haram. So this is, uh, uh, wherever you may be, Jumla Sharthiyya, it is an absolute conditional obligatory sentence. There is no yani, exemption in the ayah itself. So how is it possible for this general ruling in the Quran to be to be specified or to be uh, to have an exemption? And Sheikh Tamim says it's the Sunnah. It's the Sunnah which has caused this exemption because of the action of the Prophet because of what has been established in the Sahihain in Bukhari and Muslim and in other ahadith that the Messenger of Allah he was praying a nafila upon his mount. Upon his camel, uh, Allah knows best. If I remember, it was a camel. Ala rahilatihi. Rahila means his, his, his right. His right. Okay? He was praying his nafal on his right, whatever direction it turned in. Now, the point of an animal is that it goes here, it goes there, it goes here. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't try to straighten it, and he just carried on with it. Other than the fact that he did not pray the obligatory prayer upon it. Al-Maktuba. You should remember these phrases, okay? Nafila is supererogatory prayer. Obligatory prayer is called Fard. And it's also called Al-Maktuba. Maktuba means the thing which has been prescribed. That which has been written. Yep. That hadith at the bottom, uh, uh, you can see Muttafaq alayhi. Hadith has been agreed upon. So Shaykh Uthameen says that this Sunnah, this Sunnah has specified, khassasat yani, has specified and restricted the, the ayat and other hadith. So then Sheikh says, what if someone says, أَفَلَا يُمْكِنْ أَنْ يَكُونَ هَذَا قَبْلَ وُجُوبِ اسْتِقْبَالَ الْقِبْلَةِ He goes, isn't it possible that this action of the Prophet ﷺ, of praying on his camel, wherever it would go, maybe this was an action that he did before it was obligated to face the qibla. You get the point? Yes? What's the response to that, folks? Anyone got a response to that? You know, think of an answer to that? Already on the Qibla. Yeah, but not the Qibla of the of the Kaaba. So, so you're saying that the animal wasn't even facing the, 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 the Qibla of that one? Let's assume it was, for the sake of argument. Uh, how many days you can continue your custom to No, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's kind of gone that way. Let's just keep focus on Qibla, Qibla. So, so uh, what do you think? Sheikh says... No, it's not possible that this happened before the before the obligation of the qibla because the companions clearly stated that he didn't do his obligatory prayer on it, which indicates that the obligatory prayer remained towards the qibla. Okay, that's an interesting point of fiqh. The obligatory prayer remained towards the qibla. Okay, what if someone says, "What kind of restri- specification is this? What kind of specifying is this? This is now usul fiqh, folks." Okay. Usul al-fiqh, the principles of fiqh itself, on what kind of basis can a Qur'an be specified? And Sheikh Uthameen says something very interesting. He goes, هذا في الحقيقة من غرائب التخصيصات. He goes, to be honest, this is from the weirdest or the most rarest and strangest of takhsisat. Meaning, the, the, the I'm trying to think of a good word for takhsis. It's not specification. It's when one specifies. Okay? Yeah, and when you have a general ruling and then you specify something. 
exception. Yeah, it's a combination of exception, particular, specific, and restriction. So the ruling is restricted in a scenario or there's an exception to it. Anyway, so why is this so strange? Who can tell me why it's so strange? Why is yani min kharaib yani al taqsisat? Two key parameters, two factors that make this very strange. Think of this from a non-Muslim point of view, like a Dawa point of view. What would you say? Contradiction. No, it is a contradiction. Correct. Every uh, uh, every taqsis is a contradiction in in theory until you realize that actually is an exception. <coughs> Absolute, yes, but but why? Because it has been. So you're so so okay. So you're going you're going further. We're getting colder. Uh, it's to stay warm. What we're talking about. What you said about it being towards a qibla. What has it been established by? Quran. What is giving the exception? Hadith. That's strange. It's very strange for a hadith to specify the Quran. Normally, it's the other way around. Okay, or. It's or that's why it, uh, specify is not the right word. Restrict is the better word. It or to exempt. Okay. You get what I'm saying? It's very strange to have a Quranic injunction be restricted, or to be given an exemption from the Sunnah. That specify doesn't work. I knew there was a problem with the word specify. So when you think about it, the Quran is wahi, correct, hundred percent, no yani weakness, blah 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 blah, and Hadith is a second layer. All right. And people don't think, people in their minds, especially that's why I said from a non-Muslim point of view, authority point of view, they always see the concept of sunnah as something weaker, right? And we introduced the concept last week that actually even the singular narration, if it's authentic, it is hujjah. It is a dini evidence as strong as any ayah in the Qur'an. If a hadith is authentic from the Prophet ﷺ, we treat it like the Qur'an. And that's something which Ahl sunnah are very proud of, to stick to this principle. So here again, we have number one, an example of an ayah of Qur'an which is being restricted by a hadith, which is fascinating, number one. Number two, and of course anyone who studied Usul al-Fiqh, especially yani, when you study uh, a Shafi'i's um, he goes, to, he goes to town on this issue, it's a major thing. The other thing, which is very interesting, is that a statement has been restricted by an action, which is bizarre. If you think about it, it should be the other way around. So in both cases, it should be the other way around. Qur'an restricts the sunnah, Okay. But in this scenario, what do we have? We have something where the action of the Prophet ﷺ has specified the statement. You think about it logically. If I was to do an action and people observed it and then and people were getting confused and then I would say, that's just, by the way, my own thing. Or, by the way, this is what you can do on this day or that day. Do you know what I'm saying? My statement is normally what specifies or restricts my, my action. However, to say something and then for it to be exempted by an action is extremely rare. So this is a rare, strange, and quite unique form of... Uh, 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 what did we agree on? Taqsis. Yani, restriction. Particularization. Okay. So, yani, so Sheikh gives the example. Yani, what's wrong she said? With complete loss. Unbel- you telling me that I've been talking to myself for the last. You think that I care about yani, these people here? I'm only recording for the internet. 
Forget that for a lot. Put the chocolates. Say Qasim. No. No. Don't yell. Listen, leave it, leave it, leave it. No, 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 sit down, sit down. No, 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 sit down, sit down. He's recording. I, 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 can't, I can't black it. <laughs> we don't want to put Nazar up on the all of us here, you know what I'm saying? I've already put on like two kilos in the last couple of weeks, man. What the heck's going on? What's happened? Why is down everything done? What did you do? You, you reset the router and stuff? Uh, hotspot. Is it? Uh, by the way, what happens to the YouTube link in this scenario? No. So what are people seeing now? Like nothing, isn't it? And for a while now, isn't it? You've commented on from a mobile though, right? You've commented that we've gone down. So the question is now. I know, but I'm saying the folks who are watching, they need to know, and you need to make a decision now whether term to go, or to term to wait, and you, you use a hotspot to connect the thingy. No, no, it'll be ages. Yeah, yeah. Tell them go, khalas. Tell them, let's cancel all the others. Shoot him, Ligia. How you going? How you going? Rubbish. Plenty of data. Data is not a problem. We've got hundreds of gigabytes. It's EE. Yeah, I've got also two bars of 4G. But what are you going to connect it to? Wi Fi to the Mac. Um, so ask them should we, should we try should, do, do you want us to put up the full recording later or should we uh, should we do a hotspot ask, ask the students there what they want to do do you want a hotspot from my thingy huh? EE is too slow yeah that's what I've got EE as well 4G you, you got 4G yeah 10 megabytes 10 megabytes too slow isn't it Shaz on here it's too slow Shaz uh, 10 megabytes well I mean let's just see Raw, you sick guy. No, much more than enough, bro. We'll take a box of that. That's fine. What is that? Guess who you guys press? Wallah, Aladim, and this guy, he, 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 you know what? He smashes it up. Shaz, you want to try it? And? Ooh. One, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Oh, there's enough for just one each. But no shazad, no, no zafar, and no, no uh, thingy. No isa. Oh, you sick guy! Look at that! Oh yes. It's a good thing they can't see this online. No, no, we can't throw those at these at all. We can't throw these at all. Pass it on. Are you speaking for everybody, you Paggy? Exactly, you know what I'm saying? Look at the bars on the phone, look at the bars on the phone. MashaAllah. Everybody please Allahumma barik lahum fi ma razaqtahum wa ghafir lahum wa rahamhum aftar annakum sa'imun wa akla ta'amukum al-abrar wa sallat alaykum al-malaika Allahumma ghafir li sa'ihi wa akli amin
this is Ajmal and Nadim and Usman that are always, always bringing us every single week sweets. The podcast, by the way, must be thinking, what on earth is going on on the podcast? They're like, no, what's happening? Huh? That's just Ajmal. No, no, today's was just Ajmal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's was just Ajmal. But don't be skanking Nadim, Yara. Nadim, when, when he's here. Well, no, he's a guy in the scheme, but Yara's on work, Yara. He's at home. Yeah, this remind you know what this reminds me of? What do they call it? But 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 what's that called? That incense stick? Agarbati. What the heck is that? I don't eat agarbati. I don't know, bro. Oh. Nah, man. No one's doing cookies now. They're a bit healthy. They're nice, but they're like healthy. I like. I feel like unfulfilled. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Why are you in Gotham? You got scan. It's okay, take one. Sorry. It's okay. You can have one. I say you're right. Wash it easy there, yeah. Just take it easy, bro. Listen, is it still recording? Do I need to do a class here? So what? Okay, sorry guys, just carrying the class. What happened with the internet? Is it gone? Yeah, cancel plan. Yeah, have you told him? Nazif, yeah? come on. Have you told him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told him? Yeah. Okay, halas. All right, let's carry on ourselves. It's a shame, man, because this is quite good. This class. They're growing on me, you know. It's actually a lot nicer than I thought. Bro, you don't mess about, you know. You lot upset the uncle. Bob's man, what are you shot on the uncle for, man? I'm telling you, man. He messed you up. Anyway, so. <laughs> Sick guy. Um, no. Uh, so okay. For example, uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, "Man tanaffala fi safar fala yastaqbil." He did not. The Nabi sallallahu didn't actually at any point ever say that whoever prays. A nafal prayer whilst being whilst on a travel, whilst on a journey, does not do not face the qibla. Like that's what we'd expect to exempt or to specify or to restrict the ruling that's in the Quran, which is clearly saying wherever you are, face the qibla. Wherever you are, heithuma kuntum, yeah, face the qibla. So actually, it's fascinating, subhanAllah, that he didn't say that, but his action spec- specifies, which is good. And he goes. It's well known that in Usul that to specify a statement, to restrict a statement with an action is far weaker than restricting a statement by a statement. That's obviously. So if I say, all of you go out except used to. Yeah? 
actually, let's just use a silly example that's come to my head. But if I say, all of you get out, get out, get out, except Iman and Bob's, stay here. It's really clear, right, who has to stay here. Okay? Now, if I say, all of you get out, get out, and you start all running, and I grab Yahya, right? And he's like, what's happened? Everyone's confused, and you know, they're all, you're all running out, and I've grabbed him, and he doesn't know what to do. And I've just hold, held on to him. And I'm not saying, except you, but I've just held on to him. He doesn't know what's happening here. You don't know what's happening. This is a common sense example. That an action is not used to restrict a statement. A statement is used. So this is very yeah, interesting. Anyway. Um, and why is that? At last, Uthman. Although we think it's too late. Never too late. Well said, Uthman. Well said. Yalla, Shaz, go with him. No, no, in fact, Zafar, you go with him. Or you go with him, Shaz, go then. So, um, anyone know why? Anyone understand why in the Sharia why, or in Usul, why we should preserve the idea that a statement restricted by an action should be weaker as an evidence than a statement restricted by a statement? Excellent. Yeah, if I had an extra chocolate, I'd send it to you. Customer would. No, 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 that's mine. Yara. Come on, don't be like that. You're eating agarbati there, man. Come on. So, did everyone understand that? Right? If, if we allow, like imagine, imagine a action specifying a statement. What's your normal response going to be? Oh, that was specific to the Prophet ﷺ. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, marry four, three, and then, if not, then two, right? So you're allowed to marry four. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam marries 11, but doesn't say anywhere, does he? Right? Doesn't say anywhere that I'm allowed to marry 11 or anything like that. He marries 11. Do we marry 11? No. Is it allowed to marry 11? No. So when an action comes and a statement is, is restricted, our automatic reaction is what? This is specific to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You get the point now? Yeah? So that's normally, that's, that's why we don't normally have this yani, model. Whenever it occurs, it's nearly always That's what he says, Sheikh says, يعني, Because of the possibility that this is specific to the Prophet and also because of, the, because of the, the possibility for the one who's observing that this is some kind of emergency scenario. That's the other thing, isn't it? So if there's a statement that says, don't eat pork, yeah? Or don't drink alcohol, and you see someone drinking alcohol, what's your first, a Muslim, what's your first reaction going to be? He's doing haram. No. It's not, for my, my immediate reaction, is not going to be he's doing haram. I mean, a practicing Muslim, I'm saying. If you saw a practicing Muslim that you know drinking alcohol, what's your immediate reaction going to be? There must be some crazy reason. You get what I'm saying? There's an udhr. There's a crazy reason going on. You're not going to immediately think that this is a legislative yani scenario. So that's really interesting. I think that's really good. And it, you know what? That's a useful lesson in usul. Why it is that in our sharia we do not have the concept of uh, the common concept of statements being specified by actions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so also, also the sunnah fixtures. 
And also, تخصيص القرآن بالسنة أضعف من تخصيص القرآن بالقرآن. So likewise, there's no comparison between the Quran being restricted by the Sunnah and the Quran restricting the Quran. We we get Quran restricting Quran all the time, all the time. So many different things. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in one place will say one thing and then restrict it in the next ayah, restrict it. يعني so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says before that upon every single person and then straight after he restricts it to those people who are not pregnant not yani, traveling not ill you get what I'm saying that's the standard kind of model so you know very clearly so you don't see that either anyway however we will say we will say that in the sunnah that the sunnah is also from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu through a command from Allah, from an order, clear order from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. أو بأمره الحكم الذي يقر الله Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala فيه نبيه على ما قال أو على ما فعل. يعني the sunnah is something which is not left unchecked by Allah. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will either confirm it or clarify it, or if necessary, refute it. That's the key here. When the Prophet ﷺ has done an action which is restricting a Quranic ayah or something, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will correct him if he got it wrong. So for example, in this case, in this case, if after Allah says, and face the qibla wherever you are, and the Prophet ﷺ then doesn't do that on a camel during a nafal prayer, if this was wrong, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have refuted it. Does that make sense? This has happened a number of times in the Quran. Sheikh Uthameen does a wonderful thing here. He goes, for example, كما قال الله تعالى عرف الله عنك لما أذنت لهم حتى يتبين لك حتى يتبين لك الذين صدقوا وتعلم الكاذبين in Surah Tawbah, verse forty-three. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, listen to this carefully. All right, this is really important. If you didn't know this already, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in Surah Tawbah, verse forty-three says, Allah, may Allah forgive you. To the Prophet ﷺ. Why did you give them permission to stay at home before it had become clear to you which of them spoke the truth and which were liars? Okay? Now, you, who knows what this is referring to? Anyone know what this is referring to? In Surah Tawbah? No, not Badr. Tabuk. And Nabi ﷺ is preparing the military unit to go to Tabuk, the battle unit. And as you can imagine, people trying to blag it. Who were the people who were blagging it? Munafiqeen. They said to the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this, that, flah, flah, flah. And of course in the ayat before, ayat after, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala makes it very, very clear. If you knew what was in their hearts, they had no intention whatsoever, etc, etc, etc. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam took them for pure face value, accepted their excuses, and he said, you guys can stay at home then. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala rebukes him immediately. I repeat, may Allah forgive you. Why did you give them permission to stay at home before it had become clear to you which of them were speaking the truth and which were and who of them were liars? So you see that? Allah tells everyone to go out light or heavy. Infiru. All of them. Okay? Go out with the Prophet ﷺ, whether you are light, whether you are heavy. Meaning if you are, whether you are well armed or not, you go out. These guys said we're not going. Prophet ﷺ then restricted that go out by their excuse and said, you guys can stay home. Made them the exemption. 
based upon what? His own action. Just like he prayed the nafal on the camel, his own action. Sah? However, here he was wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, I'm going to say wrong, it's very important also that we say this concept of wrong, mistake, he erred. All of these are phrases which are linguistic, which do not mean wrong, erred, and mistake of our normal human type. Here the Prophet Yani, if you were to look at it yani, in, a, in a different way, Allah, the Prophet took their word. He didn't do anything wrong. He took their word, their qasam, their, their oath. Right? So he didn't do anything wrong. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always wants to hold the Prophet to a high standard, meaning that you should have had them establish evidence first before you should have given them a exemption. And then another example, Shaykh Uthameen quotes, ta'ala, ya nabi. I said this on the Hajj coach. From the uh, from Medina when we're coming to uh, Mecca, Ya Yuhan Nabi, Lima tuharrimu ma ahalallahu lek. Okay, in Surah Tahrim, verse number one. O Prophet, why do you prohibit what Allah has made lawful to you in your desire to please your wives? O Prophet, why do you make that which is haram? Why do you make that which Allah has made lawful to you haram? And why do you do, why do you do that just to keep your wives happy? Now, um. This, I, I, I want you to know, again, tafsir is important. There's a lot of popular tafsir around this. Some silly stories, okay? That uh, it was about Maria and, uh, you know, that there was some love and year war, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it, uh, all week, all nonsense. Actually, the, the uh, authentic uh, story behind this is, uh, you know, that the Prophet ﷺ, divided his time equally between his wives okay and he once went to the uh, house not once yani it was the turn of Zainab bin Jahsh radiallahu ta'ala anha min ummahat al-mu'minin and he delayed at her house because she uh, she used to always get hands on uh, I'm not sure whether she, she she made it or whether she was had a supplier or whatever of very very high quality honey Okay, very high quality honey. And so she offered the Prophet ﷺ some honey. So he stayed back and had that honey. And uh, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha and Hafsa radiallahu ta'ala anha got very jealous at that. Okay, they were uh, upset anyway. And then they got even more jealous yani, at, that, uh, that, at that point. And so when the Prophet ﷺ came home to Aisha's house, they said to, her, they said to him, what's that smell? They said, what's that smell? And they made it out that it was a bad smell. Have you been having maghafir, yani? Which is like a resin, like a, if we're going to say, like a rubber, like a, like, a, like a burning kind of, you know. You know, rubber has like a off smell. Resin. You know, resin is that waxy kind of gum stuff, yeah. So, uh, and, uh, so, so, oh, is, it, is it on again, yeah? Yeah. Huh. I don't know what the point of that is. Is anyone still alive? Yeah, it's about that. Only Mesa, man. Mesa's mad for it, that's yeah, why. Okay, I'll take it. Zakamullah, everybody was staying online. Thank you, Mesa, for keeping the troops entertained. <laughs> would they, would, would, would she be able to still write there yeah, and people keep talking to each other yeah, even though the thing is gone? Yeah, because we've lost the video connection. But the thing is still alive. Sick. Sick. The Huran Ya Abdul Nasir, Shafaqallah Abdul Nasir is not here. And he. He goes, Alhamdulillah for the portal. The only thing I'm missing is some chocolate. Well, to be honest, you don't know that. So let me just confirm, you absolutely are. 
you are missing Mikado Go. And these chocolates are agarbattis. Otherwise known as an incense sticks. And I have to say they are wonderful. Hey man? MashaAllah. Mesa didn't miss anything. Huh? Mesa didn't miss anything. Mesa didn't miss Mesa. Oh, Mesa's on the phone. That's why. She's buzzing, yeah? You know, Marco, she's very resourceful. But you know why? She's got a spy in her class. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Spy. You know. And, and you know what's amazing? She gets you to do her dirty work for her. That's the best part. Unbelievable. They shut him, cuss him. Unbelievable. She says, right at the back, comes halfway through the lesson of her husband, and all the way, all the time. 50% of the lesson. And then because I'll be able to do that. Can I just... Is it haram to do this kind of thing? Anyway. Um, so. Let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what happens. This is crazy, subhanAllah. And this is true. This is hadith sahih. Yeah. Aisha and Hafsa are so jealous. They're jealous against Zainab. Who's very, very beautiful, mashallah. And they're jealous that, you know, time has been spent and that she's got the honey. So they said, what's this smell, Ya Rasulullah? It's like a strange smell. And the Prophet is genuinely shocked. And he knows what he's had. He's no, he's, he knows he hasn't had resin or, you know, some maghafir, yani. So he's had honey. So he's, he's put two and two together and he said, this is the smell of the honey. All right? And so he said, well, I'm not going to have this again. I'm not going to have this honey again. But I don't want you to tell Zainab because I don't want her to get upset. You get the point? So he goes to, it was only honey that I had at Zainab, at Zainab's, and, and I didn't realize that it smelled so badly, right? And so I'm not going to have the honey again. And, you know, uh, to keep everyone happy, I'm not going to have it again, keep you guys happy, I'm not going to have it again. But I don't want you to upset Zainab because it's going to hurt her feelings, yani, that, you know, if I, if I say to her that this is the reason why I'm not having a honey because it smells. You get the point? This is what he done. Is this wrong what he did? Or is this a very pragmatic, very diplomatic, very yani, controlling scenario? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhan nabi, lima tuharrimu ma'ahallallahu lak. O Prophet, why do you make haram upon yourself that which Allah has made halal only to keep your wives happy? You get the point? Prophet Asim does something to exempt yani, the action, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rebukes him or corrects him, or whatever phrase is the politically correct one that you want to say. Sheikh Uthameen gives another example. Sheikh Uthameen says also, this is a very serious one, subhanAllah. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ahzab, وَإِذْ تَقُولِ لِلَّذِي أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَأَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْسِكْ عَلِيكَ زَوْجَكِ وَاتَّقِ اللَّهِ وَتُخْفِ فِي نَفْسِكَ مَا اللَّهُ مُبْدِيهِ uh, Surah Ahzab, verse uh, 37. O Prophet, O Prophet, why do you prohibit... No, no, sorry, beg your pardon. What am I doing? Which ayah? Yeah, yeah, When you said to the man who had been favored by Allah, وَأَنْأَمْتَ عَلَيْهِ and been favored by you, what did you say to him? Keep your wife and... وَتَقِ <coughs> Yeah, and he, uh, keep your wife and be aware of Allah. Have taqwa of Allah. You hid in your heart what Allah would later reveal. You were afraid of people, but Allah is more deserving of being feared. Now, this is another one. Okay. 
This is another one. Yeah, man, this is also subhanAllah big. So you know, who knows the story behind this? Huh? No, Prophet's freed son, yani adopted son. This is the the story of Zaid. Okay? And Zaid, the son of Haritha, the son of Haritha, is a slave. Who the Prophet frees and adopts. Known as Zaid ibn Muhammad. Okay, Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, made it clear that you must call the, the slaves or the, or the adopted, son, adopted sons by the names of their fathers. Okay, you can't yani, hide their identity. So he then becomes, in the Quran, he becomes known as Zayd ibn Haritha. The Prophet ﷺ has a cousin, very beautiful, very noble, Zainab. Okay, and Zainab, and he wants to, and he arranges for his uh, adopted son, okay, who's now still adopted son, because he's adopted him, and he's now Zayd ibn Haritha, radiallahu ta'ala an, and he gives him in marriage to Zainab. Zainab does not want to get married to him. Zainab does not want to get married to him. She's very high caste, high class, noble, doesn't want to get married to someone who she has no connection with, no desire for, freed slave, different culture, the full shabam. However, she accepts, out of Haya of the Prophet ﷺ. He accepts, of course. He's delighted. They struggle through. It's a rough time. Okay? Rough in that uh, she's going through a mental difficulty and you know, dealing with this, psychological difficulty dealing with this. But she has a lot of patience, a lot of patience, a lot of patience. And then it comes to this kind of moment, it comes to, it, it comes to this kind of uh, situation that, uh, you know, he can't handle it anymore. He's not feeling loved. And she's kind of, you know, miserable. So he comes to the Prophet Sallallahu Now, here's the problem. He comes to the Prophet Sallallahu and the Prophet Sallallahu knows that he is going to be married to Zainab. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has told him through wahi that he is going to marry his own cousin Zainab. The one who is currently married to Zayd. How on earth, um, how on earth, is the Prophet <coughs> going to deal with the situation when Zaid, his adopted son, comes to him and says that this is a situation I'm having difficulty? Yani, okay, divorce her so I can marry her. You know what I'm trying? Imagine like the Imam did that today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in fact, they do it. Yani, to be honest, that's what they do. Yani, they will say, yeah, you divorce. You know, he's not good for you, and then he marries her instead. Standard kind of behavior. So imagine the Prophet ﷺ doing that. And not just the Prophet ﷺ doing that, but also don't forget that what was the custom of the Arabs at that time? Anyone know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The adopted son is like your son. Impossible for you to marry his divorced wife. Okay, like your own son. It's haram, of course, your own son, if he divorced his wife for the father to marry her. And the idea with the Arabs, tribes, 
culture, culture, jahili culture, is that you cannot marry your adopted son's wife. Now that rule was abrogated in Sharia. It became something permissible. Okay, and the Prophet Sallallahu is going to be the first one to, <coughs> yani, uh, uh, you know, implement that, right? Because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is going to make the change. You know, I always said, well, not in this class maybe, but when there comes a change of law, it requires a big incident. It requires a big kind of drama, a lot of kind of hype, yani, to to create the, the change, right? Like the Qibla change required a full story around it, and you see a lot of ayat in Baqarah, yani, leading up to it before scene setting, and then it happens. Alcohol, for example, being prohibited required a lot of kind of drama, ayat and stuff, and it was, it's, it's amazing. Likewise, to change the law of uh, making the wives of the adopted sons when they're divorced, to make them permissible, we required this story. And this is the story that put it into place. However, the Prophet Sallallahu he is, it is difficult to what use, phrase to use, because you've got to be very careful about the, these words. But he was shy. I don't want to say embarrassed, but he was shy about what the people would say as he being the first one to marry the divorced wife of his adopted son when that's something completely impermissible in Jahili culture which has been made allowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, uh, um, uh, you are afraid of people but wallahu ahaqqu an you are afraid of people but Allah is more deserving to be afraid of and what are you afraid of what the people are going to think? Allah has told you this is permissible and this is what's going to happen. And you're, 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 you're telling him, hold on to your wife. You know that you're going to get married to her. I've told you that you're going to get married to her, that your marriage is going to be set. It's going to be a change in the rules. This marriage is not going through. He doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. And yet, because you don't want to upset them too, don't want to upset Zainab, you don't want to upset him, you don't want to upset the people, you're going to take the hit. He's like, he took one for the team kind of thing. And he said, hold on to your wife. Does that make sense, what I'm explaining? Yeah? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately rebuked him on that as well. And then what happened, of course, Zayd, Zayd was very happy when the ruling came. He divorced her. Zainab, of course, was even more happier. And you know that in hadith, yani she used to make a big thing of this in front of Aisha. She used to say, you guys got married, but I got married in the heavens. You know, you, you heard this hadith. Yani she was always very, very happy. You know, you can say what you want, but Allah determined my, my you know, in advance and this and that. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. Anyway, so those are three examples, subhanAllah, of just to emphasize the point that if the Prophet ﷺ does something to specify a Quranic ruling, if it is wrong, Allah will correct it. And if it is correct, Allah will then leave it. It is therefore what we call a confirming. Who was asking me about, was it you, Shaz, who was saying to me, what's the right way to say about Allah? So with Omar's actions it was you who was asking me yeah the word is confirming Shaz the word is confirming Sayyidina Omar does an action Allah confirms it yani iqrar yani yuqirru fi'l aw qawl Omar you know that, that, that what we're talking about here is that sometimes in the Quran well not sometimes a number of times in the Quran things happen the Prophet ﷺ makes a decision Sayyidina Omar as the advisor tells the Prophet ﷺ to do something different and it comes out that Umar is right nearly every time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals a verse to do what to Umar's opinion? It is confirmed. That's the right word. To confirm that Umar got it right. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, إِذَن, Shaykh says, فَإِذَن, نَقُول, we can say that the, the actions of the Messenger of Allah in leaving the facing of the Qibla during the Nafal prayer in Safar, is down to the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
not just his own personal action. Does that make sense? This is Allah's hukum. Oh, I was going to chat to you about stuff, you know. Okay. Um, so, it's Allah's, Allah's hukum directly. Because He has confirmed it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed it. فَيَكُونُ مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ السُنَّةِ كَالَّذِي جَاءَ بِهِ الْقُرْآنِ تَمَامًا فِي أَنَّهُ حُجَّةِ So the fact that whatever the Prophet ﷺ comes with, it is like as if it came in the Qur'an exactly the same, because it is a hujjah, it is a absolutely clear evidence. Absolutely clear evidence of the sunnah. Okay, um, Shaykh now goes into some scenarios. Okay, good, we accept that ruling. What if someone says, is it permissible to pray the obligatory prayer for a raqib, a sa'ir fi safar bidun istiqbal al-qibla. Is it permissible to pray the fard prayer for someone who is a musafir and he is sa'ir? And he's in, uh, on, on his car, not facing qibla. Permissible or not? No, it is not permissible. Illa fi hal al-alati yata'adhara fihi al-istiqbal al-qibla. It's not permissible at all unless it's impossible to face the qibla. If, you know, for some reason it's impossible to face the qibla, then then you know then is something which is allowed now obviously i just want to say this is the ruling that scholars give fatwa on for the plane i've been thinking about this plane thing i'm not gonna lie it's been doing my nothing i want a plane tomorrow by the way make dua for me guys i'm going to the motherland <laughs> pakistan but when i go to pakistan i always yeah, sit at an angle anyway That's going in the right direction. Pakistan Sharif yani, is always going towards Qibla. But I've been thinking about this a lot. I also had a chat with Sheikh Kehlan about it as well. I said to him, Sheikh, you go admit you're on weak ground, man. He goes, Wallahi, we are. I said, that's very difficult. The obligatory nature of the Qibla and to just give the fatwa. He goes, but he goes, I gen- I, and he said, I genuinely think that the haraj is significant, that the difficulty, the mashaqqa is, dif- is, 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 is difficult. Is difficult. The obligatory prayer. You see, you see. If you think about it, what are the scenarios? Let's just have a look at that. Yeah, because Sheikh said he said it's not permissible to pray the obligatory prayer whilst riding. It's not permissible to pray obligatory prayer while sitting down, not facing qibla. He said it. Okay, it's not allowed. Sheikh has said, except if it's impossible. That's what the discussion is. Is it impossible on the plane? We discussed that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Right. How is it going to be done? You're going to stand up. Sometimes you can't stand up fully. In the newer planes you can. In the 380 you can. In the Dreamliner you can. In most, in most new planes you can, you know. That's why. The big planes. Oh yeah, domestic planes you can't, yeah. No, but even new planes generally are small. You reckon, yeah? It's only intercontinental flights. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. You try turning from the hall to Islamabad, you know, when the and you tell me if you can stand up. No, that's small. No, 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 come on. Lahore, Pakistan, they're using a 90-year-old plane, you know. <laughs> it's a miracle it flies. You're talking about, yeah, you're having space. <coughs> I don't care about the space. I'm just happy to go off the floor. Or maybe I'm, I'm unhappy to go off the floor. Hi, Mani? Yeah. But but the thing is that we should pray standing up, isn't it? That's the whole point. Why are we why are we praying why are we praying sitting down? Why are we not facing qibla? And the truth is, how are we going to face the qibla if you turn round? Uh, I mean, if you're facing qibla, it's it's not a problem, okay? 
And if it's a bit direction that way, a little turn that way, as you're going to see, that's also fine as well. But let's say it's the opposite direction to the Qibla. So what are you going to do? You are going to either stay seated and turn around, not possible on a seat. You are either going to then stand up and turn around, which is going to be really weird. <laughs> as in really, really weird. And you see, here's the problem. When you're talking about difficulty, it's not like you're about to die, is it? But there's got to be some societal measure, an urfi cultural measure of what's unacceptable. Okay, so... And to pray, I'll tell you something. It's to pray in someone's face is not good. You know, when, you, when, when the fuqaha talk about praying towards a person, they always put the condition that is towards their legs, towards their body, towards their torso, or towards their back. But the idea of, yani, it is makruh, to pay, uh, according to fuqaha, we didn't mention this in our thingy, by the way, but that's what you'd see in mughni. That's a good example, actually. You know, we spoke a lot about what you can pray to and what you can't pray to. This is a book restricted. In mughni, you will see, for example, a person talked about, and you'll also see a fire talked about. So you will know that it's not permissible to pray directly towards a fire. And then by extension, you know, uh, a fire is fire, obviously, is just resembling, you know, pagan worship and all the rest of it. Um, and they allow it, if you're cold, they allow you to pray towards like the half of it, if it makes sense. So you're not facing the aim of it, but you're kind of facing in the direction of it and it's coming at this angle. Yeah. So that's one way. Um, today, then, you know, does that mean, are you allowed to pray to a gas heater or a radiator or whatever? So the radiator, of course, no problem at all praying towards a radiator. Radiator is going to do a fire. But a gas fire, we advise the only people to not pray towards a gas fire. You know what I'm saying? For the same reason. You pray towards its corner. You pray towards its angle. To avoid yani, yani, what this, this kind of thing. Yeah, I think yeah, if you were to block off the thing you know, completely, the fire completely, put something in between, then maybe that's okay. Maybe that's okay. But then the other example is a mirror. You shouldn't pray towards a mirror or a window where you can see yourself and distract yourself and see an image. Likewise, it's makruh to pray towards a person who's facing you. Because, I mean, that's, you're praying towards a person. I mean... Whereas to pray towards ah, huh? well, of course, man, that's a disaster. Oh, if it's off, it's okay. But if there's a if it, uh, pictures on it, oh, huh? Oh, yeah, reflection as well. I mean, uh, it's not just mirrors, glass, it's anything that sends a reflection. Like for example, you know me, I'm so para on that. Yeah, you know, on the what you just said there, that when I'm praying in my office, I change all of my screens to text. I don't want any. I don't have any pictures up. I put my phone off so my screensaver, you know, it's got here on it. I don't, you know, I put that down in case it lights up. And uh, the screen I'll put onto, you know, I'll go to an email for my inbox. I'll inbox, inbox those two screens so that it's got no pictures up. Because you don't, you don't want to, you know, cut your own feet off you and you're about to pray and, you know, you can kick the angels out of the room. What's the point of that? You know what I'm saying? So, so you've you got to be careful when you're praying to, and, and likewise, a reflection is the same thing. And a mirror is the same thing. And yeah, so anyway, so I'm saying when you're standing up in a seat and you're praying that direction, yeah, because the Qibla is in that direction, right? So that's a bit weird as well. Then the person will say, no, okay, then you go to the back, which we, we spoke about. But the truth is this, if you're going to, you're either going to encourage that position or you're going to say, I'm just, it's only me who's doing it. We can't be hypocritical about it. If we're saying that you've got to go and do it, then we've got to tell everyone to go and do it. And if we're going to tell everyone to go and do it, it's going to be a flipping public safety disaster for everyone in the plane. 
to be going towards the back at, you know, at the prayer times. It's going to be up and down. And a, and a plane is not like, you know, these are not things of lots of traffic. So, listen, I've always and will always be uneasy about the concept of praying, sitting down and not facing the Qibla at all on a plane. But I do get the argument of why the scholars have given the ruling of permissibility due to difficulty. I get it. You get what I'm saying? So that's why Sheikh Uthameen says, if someone says there's obligatory prayer allowed, answer is no, unless it's impossible. This is not impossible, but the issue is mashaqqa. Yes, Mu'min. We have specific examples from pre-modern times. Uh-huh. We have, pre-mod- we have examples of pre-modern times of? Oh, do we have, did you say? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah, ships. At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, companions praying on ships. No, but you were saying it was more of the ship. Uh-huh. Right, so it's fear of death. Do we have something closer to what we're saying? Um, I'm not sure that every narration about the ships was a danger of falling off, but I think you might be right there. I'm sure cabins were part of ships back in the day. But you know what? You're right. That needs to be looked at more detailed. The t- the type people of ship. Went on caravans, people would travel through land with, you know, yes. Was yes. Minute, yes. Know, you know what it is? So 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 you see, here's the interesting thing. You know, you know, when you ask me who a scholar is, who's a real alim, the real alim is the one who's come across that narration, because. To pick it up whilst random reading is not going to happen. You have to be of the top, you know, level to have read so much in your life that you've come across that narration. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what surprised me is that in researching this issue over the last X amount of years, I've not come across the top scholars quote something like that. That's what's got me concerned. You get what I'm saying? You know, you'd be right, except that I have I have read myself the chapters in the Musannaf of companions that are praying on ships in different shapes and different places. Not all of them talking about falling off. So there's some precedent. There, oh, yeah, yeah, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's definite yeah, concepts of, of, like, you're going to see in a minute. Well, you're not going to see today. It's going to be next week now. But you're going to see yeah, the variations of, 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 of this argument about, for example, that they allow you to not face a qibla, but you have to face it at the beginning. Right? And they're going to ask, talk about the guy who's walking. Walking. Who's traveling? And Sa'ir. Musafir and Sa'ir. They're going to say that he's allowed to also not face a qibla. So there's a lot of stuff that's built into this. Right, one second, hold on. Where are we? How far do we carry on going now? Oh, no, no, yeah, we can finish here. Good, all right. So give me five minutes. Right, so then. Uh, at the bottom of two six five says something very important. He says, "No, it's not allowed to pray the pray the obligatory prayer because we are we are restricting at the moment. And if when you are restricting a clear obligatory ayah, you can only restrict it with something super super specific. And the only thing that was mentioned in that specific restriction was 
nafal prayer. Obligatory prayer was not mentioned, therefore obligatory prayer cannot possibly be included in the restriction. That's good fiqh. That's good usul, rather, I should say. Sheikh says, what if someone says, what if someone says, there's a, there's a, there's a person in his country, but, uh, sorry, there's a, person, there's a person in his town, but, and uh, his, he's kind of going from town here to there, and uh, can he ride and make nafal in this situation whilst he's traveling? Answer is no, because he's not musafir. We've already answered that. If a person says, Rajul fi Mecca, yetanafal fi siyaratihi, person who's in Mecca, can he make nafal in his car whilst not facing the Qibla? Whilst not facing the Qibla in Mecca. Sheikh Uthameen says, if he is from the people of Mecca, Ahlu Mecca, then it's not permissible. If he, if he is Mu'tamir, doing Umrah, coming from outside of Mecca, then it is permissible. So, for example, if you go to Mecca on Umrah and you are in a coach or in a car, you can face the direction of the travel. You do not need to face the Qibla and you can pray your Nafal as you en- enter. Even if the Kaaba itself is behind you, Shaykh Uthameen says. Even if it is behind you. Because you are Musafir. This is what the evidences would indicate. However, it requires a little bit of looking into, he says. He's not, يعني, you know when Shaykh Uthameen shows that he's not fully happy, happy. He says, So, and also one final statement then to close with, and this is something which is important. He goes, from what we can see from what the author is saying, is that it is permissible to do this nafal upon He goes that it is permissible to make your qibla the direction of the of your ride of your car and not yani, the actual qibla, even if you are on a safar which does not enable qasr. That's the point I wanted to make. You know that I mentioned in the morning, in in the beginning. Okay, what did I say? I said that so far all this chat about safar, safar, safar is not talking about the fifty miles that your guys are thinking about, but rather a journey that the people recognize to be a journey. So for example, going to Sheffield. For the Hanbalis, it would be allowed for you to pray your nafal in the direction of the car journey and not the actual Kaaba itself, not the Qibla itself, because it's not necessary for it to be a journey long enough to shorten the prayer. And now you understand that there are now two concepts of a journey, a normal journey and then a journey long enough where the prayer is shortened. Okay? Um... وَلَكِنْ بَعْضُ الْأَصْحَابِ رَحِمَهُمُ اللَّهِ However, some of the Ahambalis, they said it is not permissible, it is not permissible to make nafal and not face the Qibla in a journey which is shorter than the 50 mile limit for a for Qasr. فَإِنْ كَانَ لَا يَقْصُرْ فِيهِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَجُوزُ And that's been narrated in Al-Insaf. Okay, they're basically saying that some of the Ahambalis, they say, the some of the Ahambalis, they say that if a person is on a journey where one does not shorten the prayer, then they have to face the Qibla, have to face the Qibla whilst they are sitting on their right. I want to say that that is the class position as well. My position, my personal position and the class position is that it is only allowed to not face the Qibla when you are on a journey that shortens the prayer. 
They're different. What? Yeah, that's right at the end. That's why you always got to keep on reading. Okay? And I want to say that I want you to listen also very carefully. I am not necessarily saying that that journey has to be 50 miles. It's like I'm mentioning a third opinion. I want to say to you, I want to say to you that there's two opinions mentioned here and I'm mentioning a third. The first opinion is what it seems that the author is mentioning, which is that any journey that you're on, which is a proper journey, but it's not a journey that shortens the prayer, that is the one that you can pray nafal and not face qibla. Some of the other hanabila, what did they say? They said, you have to go on a journey which shortens the prayer, and that according to them is 50 miles. And, if, and, 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 and once you intend 50 miles, then you can pray your nafal, riding, and not have to face the qibla. I'm saying something very similar, but slightly different. I'm saying that you can only pray nafal and not pray, face the qibla if you are on a journey that shortens the prayer. But shortening the prayer is not necessarily 50 miles. Do you get my, my point now? If it is established that we're going to shorten the prayer at 40 miles, or according to a journey that the people are all happy with to shorten the prayer, then that is the journey that you are allowed to do nafal on. I don't want to confuse people, but that is definitely a safer position and a more accurate position than the first one, which is you can shorten it in any journey, even if you're not shortening the prayer in that journey. Then you can just avoid facing the Qibla. And Allah knows best. Okay, everybody. How about a cat that is sitting right in front of you? Um, I think the same. I think you shouldn't face any living creature directly. Unless, but animals are a little bit different because they're like kids. Yeah? Because you can't control them. They go, come forth, sit in front of you, come whatever. So things that you have control over. That's why I said it's allowed to pray towards part of a body. It's allowed to pray towards legs, torso, and so on. Aisha was lying down. And when he went to sajda, she said, he pushed my feet. It was his feet that was at his sajda point. So you can't face someone full on. But you can pray towards them. And that's why you're allowed completely to pray towards a person's back and use them as a sutra, for example. Because there's no one that would say that you are person worshipping. If you're praying towards someone's feet or body or back. Anyone? Any questions? Good yeah. Question, uh, very specific. Uh, last week I went to Rochdale. Yeah. It, as we left Rochdale back to Manchester, Madrid just started. So we thought we'd catch it in Manchester. Yeah. Traffic uh, accident on the motorway. Yeah. We still spent an hour and a half on the motorway. Yeah. Uh, Isha time was 10 minutes away. So yeah. I prayed while I was driving. Mm. What do you think? I, 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 I have to say, I have to say, I haven't. No, no, I, no, no. I, I have to say I haven't, but I tell you what I would have done. I would have made the intention there and then to pray my maghrib and isha, and you'd, you'd have been okay. No, I, I was driving. No, no, I, I, I'm I, saying. No, 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 no. I'm saying when you've recognized situations gone, you know, belly up, and you can't pull over. Yeah. The first thing is to pull over. If you're in a motorway, you can't. So then, right there and then, I make the intention. And I'm you gonna sitting down. I mean, no. Yeah, no, that's what you did. Yeah. Ra, you prayed whilst driving. That's next level. No, no. In this scenario... In, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, in this scenario, in exactly your certain scenario, next time, you say to yourself, make clear intention, I'm going to combine my Maghrib with my Isha. Later. Later. 
Okay. Definitely. Def- no, he doesn't need to make the proud. Well, is it? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That was a dodgy move. I'm not gonna lie. It's a dodgy move. That's that's you know what? That's like haram for haram, bid'ah haram, haram and bid'ah haram. What kind of where was your eyes by the way? A little bit moving, let me just go forward a little bit. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, very very it's very clear. When a person has a proper understanding, they're gonna make it, not gonna be a problem. And then something like that happens. And see the problem is you give me an easy example. You give you, you exactly that's the that's the real question. The example that you gave is not a problem. Because I tell you why, let me just tell you something. Dhuhr and Asr. Okay, I'm gonna yeah, I, actually I said this already. Yeah. I said this already. I said it last year. Uh, yeah, last year. <coughs> or, or maybe even year four. Prayer times are fundamentally three times. Fajr time, Dhuhr Asr time, Maghrib Isha time. There is a flexibility, no in ma okay. Yani, a type of flexibility between Dhuhr and Asr. That does not mean that they be combined. It means that the switch over between Dhuhr and Asr is one which is very different over. Shadows, half, double, little. But you know, you can make easy half an hour mistakes in <coughs> that. And Maghrib Isha, in this country, no one needs to know about that. Has the red list gone? Has the whiteness gone? Is Isha in? Do we wait another half hour? So you can see that you've got these big prayer periods and this flexibility. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also allowed combining to occur between them. That's one of his hikam. That he allows the combining of the prayers only between these two in that period of time because they're seen like a general time. That in no way does it mean people are going to be you know, lax on it. You still got to pray on time. But when you're in that scenario, not even a question about it. Now ask me, Maghrib is starting in 10 minutes. In fact, don't ask me. Because if that happened to me and Maghrib was happening and I couldn't pull over, yes, I'd pray in the car. And I couldn't pull over. Huh? While driving. What's driving? Is he driving? He's inching, inching. Bro, do you know something? I came second in the go-karting championships. Destroyed the anim Lala over there. Destroyed him. Wait, did he come three? Was he third? Oh, sugar. No, I didn't destroy him. He came third. Destroyed the champion, by the way. Shazad Salim, who's bona fide the best driver that we have here. MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. But wiped him clean. And I got beaten. I was It doesn't matter if you wiped out. You were wiped out by your own mistake. Don't let me show the video. Don't let me show the video, Shaz. Okay, khalas, let me show the video. No, no, no. You know, I don't like people challenging me like that. I don't like that. I don't like it. But, you know, no, no, we're not going to play the whole video because your best is going to be done if you do the whole video. But I just want to show you something very, very important. I don't like. You know, you can't show the video. Has the internet gone down again? <laughs> Has the internet gone down? That is the question. I just want to show you guys, okay? Just watch. Shazad said that I got wiped out. It's, that's, it's, you see, I just don't like people who just talk nonsense. 
Alright. Shaz, be a man and put it on. How can I put it on? Let it see it. <laughs> be a man, Shaz. Don't, don't bottle it. It's not me though, yeah? No, not you. Is it on, Shaz? Watch this. Just watch this. Alright, you tell me what happened there. You saw that? Okay, just keep watching. You're about to see Shazad who just said and claimed that he got wiped out. Look what he does. He spins himself and goes into a guy. You hear that? Oh, that's Shazad complaining. Did you see the guy who just went around all three of them? Lewis Hampton style. Yes, that's me. Fourth I was. And now come to second. Came to first. And then I got beaten by a guy basically who didn't weigh. He weighed like about one pound. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. I know that you know. Just one second, one second, just one second. It's okay, you'll see. Don't worry, Manny. I'll show you all night. Don't you worry. All right. Okay. Okay. Have a look at this. Yeah. Have a look at these numbers. Have a look at these numbers. You know. Let me tell you something. Usman's fastest lap, 40.992. Look at the size of me and him. 40.992 is his fastest lap. My fastest lap, 39.965 seconds. Shazad Salim's fastest lap, 38.17. The fastest driver, the best driver. I destroyed him. See that? Because it's about skill at the end of the day. And I got beaten by a guy who I'm not even joking, he didn't weigh anything. So basically his car was going from free. <laughs> he weighs 40 kilos. I weigh 120 kilos. I weigh four times, three times his weight. Do you know how much drag and coefficient and all that Bakwasiani is against that? And those are the records. It's on, it's on thingy now. It's done. I don't know what point. But I was making a point that I can pray and drive. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. If there's anyone... Because I beat everyone, yeah? If there's anyone who can do it. Okay, enough. We've punished these people enough, isn't it, on the podcast. They're thinking, what kind of lesson do we have today? <laughs> they have no idea what's going on. Bye. Question, bro. Any questions? Yeah. yeah, go on. At least make a lesson out of it. Go on, bro. Um, um, so, uh, if someone walks in, in the, and the Jama'ah is already on the Hesha, the last one. Yeah. Right. No, no, they're, they're okay for that. The, the, the majority of scholars say, as long as you catch the prayer... Before the ma- Imam gives Taslim, then you have got the reward of the prayer. Yeah, yeah. The reason Islam Q&A said that is because there are some scholars that said that if you miss any actual part of the prayer, prayer itself that you can actually hold on to, yeah, then you've missed the jama'ah. But they will not say that you missed the reward. They will say, they will say you missed the actual congregation. It's a quite a contradictory position because they'll still say you got the reward. So anyway, I think that the correct position is, is that uh, yeah, there is definitely khilaf over this. We're not talking about catching a rakah. We're just talking about catching a congregation. I think you get the reward. But then you're talking to a person who believes that you get the reward even if you don't even catch the congregation. Because if you set off from home and you don't rush and you don't run and you have the intention for that jama'ah and you don't make it, you get the full reward. Not a doubt in my mind. Let alone person who joins and only gets the slim. Not a doubt in my mind. I got one question. Um, is it permissible? What's the ruling around traveling to far countries for like other than the ruling? I don't know, bro. But you'd be in trouble, bro. If there's any other thing, yeah. What, do you mean? what the heck are you doing, here, bro? 
I mean, like, say if you were to go to... I'm telling you right now, at this moment in time, there is no darura, yani, in me eating makado agarbatis, yani. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So I think you can guess my, my answer to your question, bro. Permissible, it's permissible. There's nothing, yani, which prohibits that, as long as you can establish your deen, the fundamentals of your religion. All right, boys and girls. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Huh, huh, huh. Klaus. Program. No, I've got a question. Oh. But it's not for the street. Is it not? For the people in the class. Oh, right. So you're lapping someone. Yeah. In the race. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Everyone says this guy to get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. What are you calling for? Why are you calling for? Why are you calling for? Do you want me to show the evidence again? Yeah. So you're lapping him, yeah? Everyone's telling him to get out of the way. Usman is very upset and he's not allowing this to go because Buna Muhammad, right, he kept blocking Usman to go past him, which is called genius driving. No, you're right, he's not part of the race, but he doesn't want you to win. And that, I, that is, you know what it is? I don't think that's Bishadam at all. I have to say, I think that that's quality. That's like, you know, when someone cuts you up. No, no. He just said, he just listen to what he just said. He goes, that's like someone taking the wheel off your car so you can't win. So now tell him, Shazad, when Buna Muhammad was blocking you, what did Shazad Salim do? Just overdrive him. How about that? Bro, you can't handle it. There's a skillful driver, unskillful driver. Buna Muhammad blocking him, he went, fainted, and then took him. You tried that all the time, couldn't get the speed up, bro. I didn't try once yet. I didn't try once. Astaghfirullah. You got done, bro. Yara, he taught you a driving lesson. The only thing we would say is after two, you would realize he's not getting out of the way. He's broke. Bro. Bro, can you please respect the Amirsa, please? Respect. Zakat al Cut it now. Khalas. Don't worry.